So we continue with our act of worship by listening to God's words. As we said in the beginning, uh, during the month of August, we are doing a series on stories in between. And uh, today we will be focusing on Luke chapter 15. And I've got uh, four different contributors to, to read this passage. So what we're going to do is we're going to have Amy... Uh, who's going to be reading the first seven verses, and then we're going to have a word puzzle quiz. So get ready for it. It's 18 words you have to find today uh, for a, a minute. So before that, let's pay attention to, to God's word um, as Amy and others read it uh, for us. Um, and as um, Alex prepares to play the first video, we pray together. Father God, speak to us through your word today. That ancient word, that living word. And I pray that you will continue to transform our lives through the power of your words and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, I'm Amy and I'm going to be reading um, God's word, Luke chapter to 15 verse 1 to 7. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. What do you do? You leave the other 99 sheep in the pasture and go looking for the one that got lost until you find it. When you find it, you are so happy that you put it on your shoulders and carry it back home. Then you call all your friends and neighbours together and say to them, I am so happy I found my sheep. Let us celebrate. In the same way I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 respectable people who do not need to repent. The story of the lost coin from Luke 15 verses 8 to 10. The story of the lost coin. Well, I can relate to this because <clears throat> I've lost a lot of coins. But anyway, um, story of the lost coin. Or imagine a woman who has ten coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll celebrate. Um, call her friends and neighbours. Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul returns to God. Thank you so much, Amy and Ralph, for reading uh, for us. Uh, now we are going to do that word search, and the word search is based on uh, a different um, version, but it's the same story that Amy read um, about the lost sheep, and um, then we're going to be thinking a little bit about that. So uh, I'm going to share a screen with you shortly. Um, if the computer allows me. Yay. Good. So the stories in between. Uh, we before we do the, 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 the word search, we've been thinking a little bit what the parable is. And we said that it's an illustrative story that creates a vibrant contrast. And 
an, or an, an image for the listener. Alex um, reminded me yesterday that Adrian Plus has got a good punchline for the uh, parables. He's saying it's a story that entertains at the front door while the truth slips through a slide window. I like that, actually. It's clever. I like Adrian Plus. And then um, we said that um, early, last week that it's, it's a narrative, a story that leads the listener to a critical uh, punchline. And again, we go back to that question, what's your favorite parable and why? And if you want it, you can put some stuff on the chat line there and uh, we, can, we can discuss it. But the stories in between. Jesus chose to use this parable uh, these parables, actually, while he was talking to um, people that actually needed to hear about God's kingdom. And as we got reminded in the beginning about God's kingdom, we knew that actually Jesus had come to, to kind of inaugurate and usher and bring that kingdom. And he was going to show people what that kingdom of God looked like, unlike the expectations of the, um, of the people, uh, the contemporaries of Jesus. They were expecting him to be a different person, a different Messiah, somebody who was going to rescue them and stuff. So here we've got Jesus with stories in between. Stories in between because actually what is happening in Luke 15 is that um, he is, the way Luke starts, I love it, how, how Luke and how Luke um, deals with this, but it's, I, I also find myself many times how I can have an oversight on a particular verse or on a particular word. But chapter 15 starts with, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around Jesus. So this is a story, these are the stories in between. So you've got Jesus sitting with the tax collectors and sinners. And then Luke says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, these men welcome sinners and eat with them. And Luke says, and then Jesus told them this parable. A story in between, three stories in between, just for Jesus to show where he is up to, uh, just for, for Jesus to, to give them the, the shock of their lives and to surprise them. So we're going to go to the word search now, a word puzzle. Here is the, um, the word puzzle. You've got probably one minute. I know I'm, I'm, I'm using a little bit of time here. Um, I think probably most, most of the words, the clues are down. You probably have got five or six across. So time starts now.
I must say, whoever has found those words, put them on the chat box. I cannot see the chat box now because I am sharing a screen, but I, I am sure that first come, first serve basis, uh, you're going to get a prize for it. Uh, time has come to reveal the solutions. How many of you did you get out of those 18? Let me see the chat here. Come on, John Bird, five. Pete Evans and Ruth Evans, 14. Brian the first, first. Colin Thomas, 17. Where is Phil Goddard today? Uh, Peter Barton, just 11. David, six. Richard and Nicola, five or six. What do you mean by that? Um, Yanni. Yanni's family, 10. Oh, Pete, stop showing off. Yes. Um, so I think the winner this week goes to Colin, I think, 17. Well done, Colin. Uh, just put down on the chat box what kind of chocolate you like and it's going to be delivered to you. We're not going to be showing off here now. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good that we were able to, to do that um, kind of game and engage a little bit with, with you guys. Um, so here we are having Jesus telling stories in between, sitting with the Pharisees, sitting with sinners and tax collectors, the outcasts, the people who were really The, the, the outcast, the, the most uh, really unwanted people in society. And on the other hand, we've got the Pharisees. And Jesus is in between here. And, and it's very interesting how, how Jesus is trying to draw their attention by telling these stories. And first, as Amy reminded us and read very well, um, he tells a story of a shepherd who loses one sheep. And then he carries on telling the story of um, a lady who loses one coin. And then he tells the story of a father who loses a son. And, and the, 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 the point that Jesus is trying to make here is that when he's surrounded by different sorts of people, he's just trying to convey more than just a moral story. He wants to give something that is going to give them an opportunity to respond. So it's that sense of surprise, sense of shock, but also that sense of reaction. What are you going to do as a result of hearing this story? And it's not just live a good life, but actually the purpose, what Jesus was telling them, is that people would embrace the kingdom that Jesus had come to introduce, to inaugurate, to establish. And it started then, and we are part of that kingdom. So 
um, as I said, there, there, there is an interesting um, dynamic here that it, this, the stories that Jesus is sharing, they expect a reaction, you know, and, and I think with the sheep um, and, and, the, and the coin and the sun, really, none of those three um, kind of um, objects as, as such uh, realize that they are lost in themselves until, until somebody starts looking and seeking for them. So with, with the sheep... Um, we, we, we see that the, the sheep is lost. And um, lost is a, is a very big, threatening word. And uh, uh, somebody asked me the question yesterday, saying, how do we bridge that so it doesn't become so harsh? Lost as a word is a very harsh word. To say to somebody, you're lost, it's, it's, really, it's really, yeah, harsh. But Jesus is trying to convey this message to the tax collectors, to the sinners, and to the Pharisees who thought that they got it all sorted, their spirituality. And in the end of the day, they had not because they had not embraced God's kingdom. So what are some uh, characteristics that we see here in these stories and uh, that we can identify with and draw some parallels with. So I, th I think um, sometimes um, it happens, as it's, it's in the story of the sheep, that we don't know why the, the reason why the, the, the sheep got lost. Maybe she was very busy, or it was very busy, uh, eating grass and, and, and binging on... on, on on food and forgetting the flock and stuff like that. So, so perhaps there was that busyness and, and, and busyness of life that, that kind of causes uh, people to, to be in that state of, of lostness, really. And I think when we, when we, when we find ourselves in that, the, um, the assumption is that, that actually... Um, or when we find others in that, for that matter, the assumption is that um, these guys, this kind of situations, people would not be up for other opportunities, uh, or to, they would not be open to another way of living. And I think this is what Jesus is trying to address here: that the the busyness and the the the, the endorsement of the Pharisees was so busy that it had stopped them to see the real thing. And Jesus is giving them another platform, another uh, open window, really, to, to um, endorse uh, another way of living. And that way of living was the kingdom of God. Um, as I said earlier on, um, sometimes lost is a harsh word, and it happens because of the carelessness of somebody else. And um, in this case, Jesus tells a story that the, 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 the shepherd was careless and uh, didn't realize until he was, um, you know, with the, the 99 that he, he was missing. Um, maybe the lady who, who was living a life of carelessness and lost that little drachme, that little coin, um, 
and and in one sense um, it's it, it shows that um, it's very easy to get uh, entangled in the business and sometimes in the carelessness of life. And in one sense, I, I really feel very honored because I think the reason why I'm following Jesus today is because somebody felt responsible for my life. So there was that element there that uh, is, it was not carelessness, it was that care that actually that person who introduced me to Jesus really felt that responsibility to share Jesus with me. Because actually to be lost means that you, um, you belong to somebody, you're valuable. So in one sense, um, if, if, we, if that coin was not valuable, that lady will not go and, and look for it. If that sheep was not valuable, that shepherd would say, oh, who cares about the, the, the one? I've got 99 and stuff. But because you are valuable and because you are valuable in God's eyes, God is looking after you. Because these sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees, for that matter, were valuable in God's eyes. That's why Jesus is trying to share these stories in, in between. So um, people need to know, as we're reminded of the stories of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, we need to be reminded that people need to know that they are very precious, they're very valuable, they're very loved by God, who's actually pursuing them, who's, who's coming after to, 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 to grab their attention and to usher them into his kingdom. And also, I was saying uh, to Ruth this morning, as I was uh, finalizing thing, is that um, if, if something is valuable and you've lost it, you put aside other stuff that you've got in your hands and you concentrate in order to find it. Now, um, I, I'm famous for losing keys and I can never find them. Uh, so they... Uh, they, because we've got two or three sets of keys, they don't have that sense of value. But I know that when I'm stuck and I've got only one set of keys around me, then I know how much time I'll have to, to put aside in order to focus to find that. And I think that's how God, that's how God deals also uh, in the sense that he pursues it. And, and we're going to hear now from Jill and Simona the story that uh, how Jesus gradually moves on from talking about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the punchline is coming with, with, the, with the third story that he's sharing as he's sitting with sinners and tax collectors and as he's being confronted by muttering Pharisees. Can we listen to the story the story of the um, father with the two sons. Jill and Simona will be reading from us. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your inheritance now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. 
A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'm going to go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on just as a hired servant. So he returned to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Hello, I'm Simona. I'm reading Luke 15, verse 25 to 31. And this is the part where the older brother comes uh, home to see his father and the younger brother dancing. While these things were happening, the older son was working in the field. On, him, on his way back to the house, he heard music. People were dancing. So he asked one of the servants, what's happening? The servant replied, your brother has returned home. Your father has killed the fat young cow for him. He did this because your brother is alive and he is well. When the older brother heard this, he was very angry. He would not go into the house. So his father came out, please. So, please come, come and be happy with us, he said. Listen, the older son replied. I've worked a lot for you for many years. I've always obeyed you, but you never ever killed a young goat for me so that I could be happy with my friends. We could have had a meal together, but now this other son of yours has returned. He has wasted all the money that you gave to him. He has spent it on prostitutes, but you have even killed a young fat cow for him. My son, his father said, you are always with me. All the things I have, I have are yours. We thought your, that your brother was dead, but now he has returned to us alive. We thought they had left us for all time, but now he has come home, so we must be happy together. Thank you, Jill and Simona. Again, it emphasizes that in stories in between, Jesus is showing to the Pharisees, to the sinners and the tax collectors what he's up to. And that it's very clear that God never gives up on them. God never gives up on you. And maybe that's a truth that you need to, to embrace today. And he will do the uttermost to show his love and his character to you and to me today. And may God's name be blessed.
as we ponder on these stories and as we embrace the truths that could transform our lives. I'm going to hand it over to Aaron, who is going to lead us into our final uh, song worship. So as we think now about our response um, to the parables we've been thinking about today, I wanted to share with you uh, a story of another normal person like us and how they responded to the good news of Jesus. Um, throughout my life, especially I remember when I was a child in primary school and secondary school, one of the things that's been a real encouragement and challenge to me in my walk with Jesus has, has been looking at the lives of other Christians who have, through their faith in Jesus, done extraordinary things. Um, and the stories of the missionary heroes, as we often refer to them. Um, and so today I wanted to share with you a story that I've been reading about this week, who actually, although he was a famous person, wasn't someone that I knew very much about myself. And that's C.T. Studd. Now, I know in our congregation we have some real cricket fans. My father was one of those people and would avidly watch it on teletext. But I have to confess, I'm not a cricket fan and don't know very much about it. So C.T. Studd uh, was someone new for me to find out about. But he, I've titled this, A Man Who Left Behind All He Had to Search for Those Who Were Lost. And uh, Charles Studd, that's his first name was Charles, he was born to wealthy parents in 1860. And he had sort of the dream upbringing in the sense that he was rich and wealthy. He was able to go to Eton, you know, sort of the top school in the country. Um, and there he excelled uh, at cricket and was head, head captain of the cricket team at the age of 19. But during that time that he was at school, his, his dad uh, came to know Jesus. And he, he was praying for his three sons that they also would come to know Jesus. And they had a visitor preacher come one day and he questioned Charles and although Charles had heard it all before this preacher's question sort of knocked him off guard and the preacher realized that actually through all the, the good words that Charles could say he didn't actually have a relationship with Jesus and uh, that preacher stopped and together talked with Charles and Charles made the decision there and then to follow Jesus and uh, the next slide says what he commented on at that point. He said, I got down on my knees and I did say thank you to God. And right then and there, joy and peace came into my soul. I knew then what it was to be born again. And the Bible, which had been so dry to me before, became everything. This was the moment that he, he was found. He'd been lost and he found that amazing sensation of being found. But yet in Charles's life, as randomly and sadly so often is the case, he he just sort of let it all slide by. That initial joy he felt, he just let it slide by. And for the following six years, he didn't really do much about his faith. Instead, in those six years, he found um, success. He went on to Cambridge, carried on in his cricket career play, playing, not only for Cambridge, but also for Wessex and even for the country. And uh, I guess one of his greatest claims to fame, whatever, is he was at the cricket um, match that was what the Ashes was named after. And in fact, the, the urn, the Ashes urn, still has his name uh, engraved upon it. So he excelled in all those things, but forgot about God. But then shortly after that, his older brother became very near to death. And it was through that crisis that Charles once again thought again about God. 
And he realized, he said, what is all the fame and flattery worth when a man comes to face eternity? I know that cricket would not last and honor would not last and nothing in this world would last, but it was worthwhile living for the world to come. And that really was then what initiated the decisions that Charles made for, for the rest of his life. So in 1885, he made the big decision to leave the UK, to leave behind his career, uh, his cricket, the, the education, the wealth, all the things he'd built up, and to go instead to follow Hudson Taylor over to China. He left to go and tell other people the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, a couple of years later, his father passed away, and uh, Charles was due to inherit a huge amount of money. It would have been equivalent to about £4 million in today's money. But instead of keeping it and thinking, well, that would be useful, he gave it all away, um, some to the Salvation Army. And in fact, he gave about £4,000 of it to George Muller here in Bristol for his work that he was doing. But he, uh, Charles Studd left all that behind and moved to China. And there he worked for about 10 years. He got married. But he lived and worked like a Chinese man. He dressed like them and... Um, and spoke like them. I've, an interesting fact I found out is when they had to return as a family to, about 10 years later to England, his children had to learn English because they were so um, embedded in Chinese culture that his children didn't even speak English, which I thought was quite amazing, having seen the mission field and often what, what happens. But what I found interesting is that uh, for Charles Studd, the next slide just says, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. I find that really challenging, actually, to ponder my life and think, do I live by that? Have I grasped the gospel message? Have I grasped the good news? Have I grasped that I was lost and have been found? And am I willing to do something because of that? So Charles Sturd, he worked for about 10 years in um, China. He then pastored in India for about six years. He did some teaching at a Bible college in America and then spent about the last 18 years of his life in Africa, um, working amongst the cannibals and doing an incredible work there and planting what is now known as WEC, the organization. But during his whole lifetime, Charles Sturd constantly surrendered to God and he lived sacrificially. He wrote that God, Christ wants not nibblers of the possible, but grabbers of the impossible. That should excite us. I think that says something, especially for you folks, for you 18-year-olds on the cusp of actually what, what am I going to do? What does life look like? Let's not be nibblers of the possible, but let's be grabbers of the impossible with Christ uh, on our side. I think that's an incredible challenge. And I said at the beginning, we often refer to Charles Studies the list of one of the heroes of the faith, but I actually think there's a, I have a problem with that because I think when we think of heroes, it distances us. We think that they're extraordinary people who do things that we, we wouldn't do. But he wasn't a, a, a hero. He was just like you and me, but he grasped the gospel truth and that meant so much to him. He was prepared to put everything else he had aside in order to go out and seek and save and find the lost. So my challenge to you and to myself today is right now, today in the mundaneness of COVID-19 2020 life, what, what are we doing? As we look to our futures, what are we doing? Have we grasped that gospel? Have we grasped that we were lost but have been found? And what are we, we going to do about that? Hmm. So that's my 
challenge to you for this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. She's amazing. She's my wife. So she's my better, my better heart. He wants lunch. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but thank you. I think it's amazing to see people getting into that kingdom mode of giving up everything for the sake of the lost. Mm. And I think it's great to see that example. And I still believe that God calls people to do the same today. And perhaps he is calling you uh, to do the very same thing. Um, we come to the end of our service. Uh, stories in between.